his mind. And also, let's not forget this, has he said and will he not do it? If God says he's going to do something, he does it. Amen. God is a God that stands behind his very word. His word is truth, and he will do it. He's a God that doesn't lie. Can you imagine that? He doesn't lie. It's not in his character to lie. He tells the truth and stands by it. Yes. Did we touch on this? His works may change the way How he go about it. Goes about it. Excuse me. Yeah. Well... We know for a fact that he has different ways. Well, let's, let's look at this logically. The goal is always to what? Recognize that every single person comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Does he do that the same way for all of us? Has he done that the same way for all of us? Guess what? He's done it specifically related to your personality, your persona. Why? Because all of us are different. He has to act in that way because he created us in that way. We're all different. Yeah, and I was thinking in terms of his plans for us. Yes. But sometimes we want to vary on off. So he had a plan. Yeah. So he ended up having to close the door over here. Yep. And guide you maybe not very comfortably. Yep. But that's always. We're the ones that we have to understand that he already knows the outcome and how he goes about projecting that outcome may indeed deviate from the way you're thinking. Now, I'm just going to put a little thing out here. I don't think Mark and Faith knew they were going to be back in Akron. Okay. They were very happy where they were. I mean, he's coaching. She's a coach's wife. You know, they're entertaining people at their home in Illinois. Illinois, right? Their home in Illinois. They didn't know that they were going to be here. So there had to have been a seismic change to take place where they're now here in Akron. And a change as far as profession, work, Everything had to change. And Larry being the elder. And Larry being the elder? Boy, that's like an earthquake. Oh, well. <laughs> and coach of the year and all that stuff, right? You know, all these things go, okay. Um, hey, here we go again. I know. Here we go. But all of these things, God knows already the outcome, but we don't know. And we find out, and sometimes we're the last to find out, until something happens, okay? So, yes, his methodology, let's, let's rephrase that a little bit. His methodology is very consistent. He knows the outcome. He already knows, he already knew they were going to be in Akron before they did. So, his work don't change That's right. That's right. I know the plans I have for you. His right. Works don't it's maybe we're seeing it as 
changed because we weren't following the plan. Well, we were being changed. Even if we were following it, sometimes things happen where we have to make a change based upon circumstances. Yes. That's right. He laughs at our plans. Yeah. Some some of those plans are laugh worthy. If we're not if we're planning things that are not consistent with his will and what he would have us to do, then those plans are like, well, well, you can think that all you want to, but here's what's going to happen. And we have to understand that. I think it's more about our mentality and how we view what God does. We're still learning about God, aren't we? There's nothing that we're, we're, we're not experts on God. Okay. Yes. He has the last word. Yeah. Well, we call him our heavenly father for a reason. He is authority. He is an authority figure. We recognize authority figures in different parts of our lives. And you see why people struggle with God sometimes because they don't really have respect for authority figures. So now you understand that that's why they are ripping and running and doing whatever they're doing because they don't want authority over their lives. They would much rather do what they think is more, more important. Yes, Arella. Absolute truth. I love that part of the verse. Has he said and will he not do it? It's not like, you know, no backseas or whatever it is, right? He says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. That's the thing that we need to understand, too. His word is truth. And now, and let's, let's look at that more because we always have these, some people have arguments, I don't. Because I think it's not necessary to have them. All these different versions of the Bible out there, right? All these different interpretations of Scripture. As long as they line up with God's Word, that's really where we need to be. Now, not every version is worth the paper it's printed on. I'm going to tell you that right now. And I've had this discussion with people before about different versions of Bibles. You know, the only versions of Bibles that I would not use as a primary source are the Living Bible and the Message. And those are the only two. And the Living Bible is a little bit older version. The Message is a newer version. But those were Bibles that were created specifically for the purpose of making the Bible easier to understand. The problem is, is that when you deviate from God's intent in the Word. And I'm not talking about ticky-tacky words here and there. I'm talking about variations that really do take you away from what God is trying to teach you. We need to understand that all the other versions that are out there, okay, hit the nail on the head for the most part. They really do. Now, should you have a primary volume to look at and a secondary volume? Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. I leave that up to you. Uh, I always challenge people who stick with the King James Version. It's okay to stick with the King James Version, but understand King James English. Don't read the King James Version Bible if you don't understand King James English. That's language from 1611. We are not 400. This is, we're well beyond that. 
So understand that. I'm not knocking the King James Version. I know a lot of black churches have stuck with King James for years. I'm going to challenge you. A lot of black folks don't know how to read King James English. And they're basically relying upon people to teach them and understand what that is that they're reading. So that's my four cents. That's all it is. But we need to understand, don't read God's word and come away saying, what did he say? What's going on? What's the purpose of that? God is trying to teach you something and he wants you to understand his word. So use more than one version if you need to for understanding. Okay. First thing God tells Balak is that he doesn't change or lie. What God says, he does. God does not change his word. Many centuries later, the prophet Malachi reminds Israel that the only reason they haven't been destroyed is the constancy of God. Go to Malachi 3.6. Now, this is a comment that's very, very interesting. This relates to God's grace and mercy because grace and mercy was necessary to prevent all of Israel, frankly, from not being destroyed. Grace and mercy. Malachi 3.6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Translation. I don't change. I'm not going to do anything different. But otherwise, I'd have wiped your behinds out. That's exactly what it means. You'd have been wiped out. And guess what? Because of God himself and his grace and Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, if it wasn't for his sacrifice and his grace and his mercy, we would be wiped out. Wiped out spiritually. No hope. No reason to live, frankly. We'd be wiped out. He stays true to his holy and merciful character no matter what. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and praise the Lord. That's something we have to always recognize because he has not changed. He has stayed true to his merciful character, his holy character. And that's because he loves us. He loves his creation. Yeah. Or you can go to Church's Chicken and get one of them world famous Church's Chicken sandwiches one day, and another day you can show up and they're all sold out. What? I can't get my chicken? Was that Popeye? I had the wrong brand. Daggone it. Couldn't even tell the joke right. <laughs> well, that's the same principle, though. You, you, you can't rely on that, right? You want to be able to get that. Popeye's chicken sandwich or that church's chicken every day, a good chicken. But if it changes, now we have inconsistency. The one thing we don't ever want to see God be involved in is inconsistency. So let's keep that in mind. Let's get our minds off a chicken and move on. In the New Testament, we see applied to our lives the principles applied to Israel in the Old Testament. Let's take a look at Romans 11. 
We see applied to our lives the principles applied to Israel in the Old Testament. And we need to see this information carried through from the Old Testament into the New Testament. Why? Because this is under Jesus' umbrella. This is conversation that now that he's communicating to his people after he, in fact, died on the cross. So let's see what it says in Romans. Romans 11, verses 28 through 36. This takes you all the way through the end of the passage. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. Don't go too quickly past that. For the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. You see that? The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. What does that mean? Not going to change them? He's not taking them back. Remember the terminology, Indian giver? Somebody gives you a gift and then you want it back. Well, that's not God. He's made a decree. He said, if it's a gift, you get it. It belongs to you. It's yours. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. He's called all of us. He's called all of us to be believers and to live as believers. That's our calling. Whatever that represents, wherever you are, that's what it represents. When we go on vacation, we still have a call to live as believers when we're on vacation. In other words, we don't go on vacation as soon as we hit the plane and get off the plane. Let's act crazy. Let's act like fools. Let's go party. Let's go do this. Let's go drink. Let's go just tear the place up. No, it's no admission. I'm telling you, we don't do that. Yeah. The ability to believe and, and to have faith, yes, that's a part of the gift. Absolutely. It is, it is inherent in all of that. But we live consistently as believers wherever we go, is my point. Your light should shine here just like it shines in Savannah, Georgia. Amen? That's what needs to happen. People need to see your light shine no matter where you go. And the Spirit has a very funny way of making you stand out. Well, that too. The, the Spirit is always speaking with you about your behavior. You just have to be paying attention to it. Yeah. Spirit reminds you. Now, the one thing to keep in mind, too, is that it's not the Spirit's job to beat you up. He will remind you, but he also wants you to relax and look to him and be consistent in looking to him for future opportunities. So it's not to beat you up. Like, dag, Larry, you done blew it again. Nothing like that. That's not what he does to us. He doesn't do that. Because remember, God does not need us. He's going to accomplish his will. But he gives us gifts and the ability to speak to people because he wants you to be involved in that process. And that's for his glory. If you know what your purpose is, nothing can stop you. 
if you know why you're here and you know what God has endowed you to do, nothing's going to stop you. Because you all are always acting in confidence. And you're acting in such a way where you're living according to how God would have you to live. Let's finish reading here. Verse 30. For as just you were... For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too now have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Consigned. What does that mean? Basically, you're in the flesh. You were born in the flesh. You have nothing to say about that. It's part of who you are. You have a reliance upon God because of your fleshliness. Your fleshliness is what leads you to be disobedient. You had to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ to do what? Erase that aspect of your life. You're still in the flesh, but now he's covering you with his grace and mercy. And he's saying that that is available For the people in the old days, your parents, your relatives, all people that came before you, it's available for them, it was available for them, it's available for you. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? That sounds very similar to what was said in Job. Who has known the mind of the Lord? You know, Job was getting his little conversation. Do you know the mind of the Lord? Who was my counselor? Who taught me? Who showed me something? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. So what did God say about our gifts and callings in Romans eleven twenty nine? He does not. He is not does not take them back. That's a good way to put it. Irrevocable. In other words, gives you a gift. It's your gift. Now. Can you, even though you receive a gift, not appreciate it? Yes. Doesn't mean he took it back. It means you don't appreciate it. You're not using it. You're not doing what you should with it. Somebody gives you a gift. It's up to you to accept it. It's up to you to embrace it. It's up to you to do those things that are associated with that gift. And that goes back to kind of what Donna said earlier. Sometimes we perceive things, even though God is doing something very consistently, it's our perception that's different. Well, he may, you may perceive gifts that way too. One very important thing for us to always remember, God blesses us in ways sometimes we don't even realize. That's the truth. Even if it means avoiding danger. Do you understand that? 
There are things that God does that keeps us in certain ways that we avoid danger. And that's something that we have to always keep in mind about how he is mysterious. Oh, no doubt, mysterious how he operates. But he absolutely does have your best interest at heart. Yes. Come on, Bev. I know where this is going. That's right. Yes. Yes. I know. Well, I'm going to add a little nugget in there, too. You know, you got sick. <laughs> you got sick. And she was ready to go anyway. Now, now understand something is that, well, <laughs> I'm, not getting into, I'm not getting into family stuff. I'm just going to tell you right now. But Bev had pneumonia. Everybody, we all know this because we prayed about, we prayed over her because she was at home sick with pneumonia. Well, you know good and well that if you have pneumonia, your, your immune system is down to nothing almost. You have to recover from that. So, A, she had pneumonia. Yes, the cruise was scheduled. It was ready to go. And, you know, Bev didn't need to go on that cruise because that, she would not have been able to function well. And you know what's going on in Italy right now. I mean, Italy is, is on lockdown, basically, and you can't go there. And there are a lot of people who are, are sick. We need to understand that God knew all of this was going to happen before she did. Now, nobody wants to get sick. Nobody wants to be laid up. Nobody wants to be sitting somewhere. But, you know, sometimes these things happen and we don't realize it's really God keeping us from something even worse. That's the only way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it, everything happens. Oh, absolutely. So we need to keep that in mind as we look at how God operates. And we come back later on, and Bev is here, and we come back and praise the Lord, Bev is here today. She is recovered. Because even pneumonia is very serious, everybody. You know, everybody knows that. You know, as much as we talk about the coronavirus... 30,000 people, on, and that's the low number, die from the flu every year. And it's been as high as 70,000. Now, that's a lot of people. Now, you have to look at that for what it really is. And who's susceptible to flu? Young children and elderly people. So we have to be conscious of these things. Okay. Okay. Everybody, pardon me. Now we have plus. Yes, we have that now. <clears throat> we have all of these things. Well, we've had H1N1. We've had swine flu. We've had Mar- was it SARS, MERS. There's a. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, and we need to understand that. All of those things can be dealt with, but we still have to be what? Conscious of it. Pay attention to it. I swear the next time I see somebody come out of a bathroom and not wash their hands, I'm going to grab them. Because there's no excuse now. Don't, don't be going to the bathroom and not washing your hands. Don't let me see you. Grab them with gloves. Yeah, yeah I can do that too. 
I mean, like, ah, heck you know. Yeah, right, exactly. They want to shake hands with you. Okay, let's not veer off too badly here in the Sunday school. <laughs> but these are things that we need to be conscious of and aware of, that God blesses us and keeps us, even when we don't realize it sometimes, until we go back and look at the circumstances, look at the situation. Okay, so God says our gifts and callings in Romans eleven twenty nine are irrevocable. That means once you have it, God won't take it back. His choices do not change. God does not change his word, standards or choices. What does that mean? Every one of us has received gifts from God. Every single one of us. Every single one of us has been blessed by God in some way with a gift. So for those of us who try to say, I don't know what God wants me to do. Really? Look at your life and see where you are. Because that excuse is going to have less and less of an effect if you really are looking at what God has done to keep you to where you are today. You're here for a reason. You're here for a reason. God does not, his choices don't change. God does not change his word, his standards, or choices. Go to James 1.17. <clears throat> Excuse me. As a reminder, the book of James is a great book to read. If you had never picked up the Bible and you want to read a book to get a primer on what it is to be a Christian, the book of James is a great place to start because it's written to Christians. Not the book of Big Jim, the book of James. That's right. We, we need to make a distinction here. Because I was looking at you as I was saying that, and you were looking at me, and I'm like saying, oh, we need to clarify that. So it's the book of James in the New Testament. But it's a great book to read. Now, that's my opinion. That's all it is. I mean, you know, we know the Gospels are important too, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all that. But if you're trying to learn how to be a Christian... The book of James is your primer for that. It's five chapters. It's a nice summary. So, and it refers back to Jesus Christ anyway because it talks about the love of God. But James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Where are they coming from? God himself, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. No change. So how does James 1.17 sum up God's immutability? He doesn't change every good gift. And remember, says every good gift because they're all good gifts. They're all good gifts. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from him. And he doesn't change. So your parents before you, your grandparents, and the kids that follow you, each and every one of them receives good gifts from him, including us. But the key element here in this passage is that there is no variation or shadow due to change. God does not change. His character is solid, rock solid. It's exactly what his word says. Always remember that. 
In our experience, every light flickers. Even the brightest arc beams are subject to shadow. You know how it is when you go, you had a light bulb that's on. We have light bulbs in our house that are on all the time, depending upon where we are. There's one at night in our living room to keep just some light in the room. And every now and then that bulb goes, poop. Got to replace it. It's one of those colorful bulbs, you know, it has a the different decorative type thing on that. And so we had to find the same bulb, supposedly. Every now and then, and that bulb's been on, it'll be on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and all of a sudden, poop, time for a new bulb. Well, God doesn't do that. His light is always shining. No variableness or shadow or turning affects him. God is constant and unchanging. Why am I making such an issue of this character of God, characteristic of God? Why does it matter if God changes every once in a while? Can't that be okay since you trust him and know he cares about you? Oh, that's a good place to end, isn't it? Makes you think now. So we'll pick up next week with that. I'll remember to mark that so I know where to pick up. I'm going to borrow your pencil. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Hello? Why? Just ask the question. Go ahead. Ah, you, I know. That's why, that's why I threw that out there. You're going to wait till next week? Okay. <laughs> Understand something. We've just gone through this whole class talking about how God does not change. But please understand, there are people around you who do not understand the concept of who God is. When you're discipling people, you know, when they say, well, God does this and God does that, and he, doesn't, he, do, he, he does whatever he feels like doing, and he changes his mind here. Don't go like say, God doesn't change his mind. People need to learn about God's character. And so when you see something like this, it's challenging you to understand that not everybody thinks the way you do. Not everybody has been taught the way you have. And you know that. There's a lot of folks in churches that are taught all kinds of gobbledygook that are not learning about the character of God. Flat out not learning about it. Churches that are in this area, they, hope on, they focus on one verse and that's it. Without looking at context. So come on, you need to understand other people that you counsel and talk to need to learn about this character of God. To understand that's the person you trust. They don't trust him because they don't know what to trust. Okay. I'm going to move on. Let's close out in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to focus on what you truly are as far as a, a wonderful God who does not change. We thank you again for that teaching. We thank you for showing us this throughout this course. And we thank you also for recognizing that not everyone sees these things the way we see them. And when we want to disciple other people, we want to be prepared for that. Be prepared to speak to them about your unchanging hand. We thank you for those future opportunities to have those discussions. And just like Larry said, you know, there are times we're going to have to speak to people. And we need to be ready for it. Lord, help us to be ready at any moment to be able to speak your truth. 
And we thank you very much for your presence. We thank you for your hand of protection as well, too. Pray that you bless this group, bless the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.